bothers a man maybe to, to hold his arm there. So he pushes, he pulls it away, trying to get away, pull it away. You see, you hear it? Uh-huh. Now, if he isn't fighting enough, you, you, so you don't want him over. It's just because he's fighting. You want to, here, you see, push. Yeah. Can you imagine having an old man, Stu Hart, laying on you? And you know he smells like crap, right? <laughs> he has to, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, every time I've seen him, he looks like he has a load in those pants. There's always like <laughs> something, something going on there. Because he would always wear those like high waisted slacks that yeah. went up to like almost the neck. And and he has that high ass. Yeah. <laughs> Look on here, you pull the head down. And, ah, Mr. Hart, stop! And keep ripping his skull. Like there's, there's no, you guys, like in all seriousness, there's no way that he was, he was as devastating as as so many people made it seem. Right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think they were. They, I think they were just staying in character because they were in the dungeon. Yeah, I mean, like part of it's the allure of being yeah. in the dungeon, right? Like, there's yeah. no way, there's no conceivable way that old man no. was putting them through such hell. Well, just the no. fact that it took him a- at least ten minutes to get on the ground. It's not like I mean, all that guy had to do was <laughs> roll away. It's not like his holds yeah. are that devastating. Right. You pull the leg over the head, and you put the skin right off the rib. <laughs> you said you pulled the skin right off the rib. Oh That's what he said. And you, the skin yeah. comes right off the rib. Here's what I don't. This is, this is what I, I, I don't understand. I've really never understood about too hard. Is like, look, we all know that wrestling. Uh, you know, wrestling's a work, right? Like what? we all know that. What was the obsession, right, with with this guy, like? Like literally, just beating the shit out of people. Like all he had to do was teach him how to bump. Like, wh- why are they dying? Yeah, why are they learning real yeah. submission holds? Yeah, right. like like how to, how to bump, like how to land on your back, right? How to how to you know to block your block your back with your arms, and like how to kick with you know uh, like the proper techniques to how to work, right? Like he's he's got them like literally begging for their life. And that's all you ever see. You never see him like actually training them, like you said, in the actual craft of wrestling. It's just like torturing them. It's just like an exhibition and like how much torture they can withstand in like a exactly. day, exactly, or a session, yeah. whatever, however long that is. And then like, you he take it up you in an arm lock for four hours. <laughs> you take it yeah. up another level by pushing the head down into the breast like this. And like. If I was teaching Sam how to do a submission hold, the minute I hear him scream is the second I, I let it go. Or I loosen it. He tightens isn't, isn't, it. Isn't the whole point of wrestling like to not hurt people at all? <laughs> it's like, to protect like, each other. It's to like, take yeah. care of the person without yeah, hurting like, them. You're not supposed to, like, you're supposed it's, it's, it's the finesse of it. It's not, yes. you're not trying to inflict pain. Like, what yes. is this old man trying to intentionally, like, rip the skin off of somebody's Mr. Hart, please stop. Like, they scream and then he tightens it more. Yeah. What's wrong with it? Just a little more. You can take more. Let me tighten it. And you grab the. 
And you grab the nipple. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right into the funny bone. Oh! So hard, please stop. And he yeah. wasn't even in like, he wasn't even an athletic year. He was always in like slacks and a polo. <laughs> exactly. I know. Yeah, the, glass, the glasses like with the strap around his neck. Those, <laughs> those brown, those brown dress pants that old men wear. Yeah. All the way up to his tits, right? Loafers. Yeah. High socks. Let me show you one other thing at the knee. Like, they were actually taking people's arms and putting them behind. Like, Stuart couldn't even move the guy's arm. But then they're all acting like he's devastating. And you take arm and go like this. Ryan, are you putting your dog in a Stu Hart submission hold? Or is that your dog, Sam? That was actually, that was your brother. Oh, that's your dog, Sam? uh, That was my dog. And Trent, here's what we do, Trent. We take the leg. Uh, uh, (laughs) You know that wrestling, was it Wrestling with Shadows documentary? It it might be the greatest documentary ever. If you think about the stuff that was covered and the actual real-life event that happened while they were filming that. For real. Like the whole Bret Hart screw job was documented, which almost makes me think that it was like they knew they were filming it, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it was, they, yeah, there's, yeah, there's part of that for sure that makes you think that. I mean, what else? What else are they shooting? Yeah, like, oh, Bret might be leaving for WCW. Why would Vince ever allow that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, who knows? There's a lot of questions about about that whole thing, about what was known, and I mean, there's a whole conspiracy theory that. that that Brett knew even that that was happening, right? Well, that's what I was just going to say, Ryan. I, I think, I don't know if it was on an Eric Bischoff podcast or something. I, I had heard that Brett knew a lot more than he let on in that documentary or that he's let on in the years that he knew a lot more about what was happening and what could, I don't know if he knew it was going to happen, but what could potentially happen. Like he knew it, that was an option. The yeah. only, the only reason why I don't, think he knew is because how bitter he is and the way he talks like you could really feel the hatred when he talks I, I've, I've also heard that brett you know his the, the story that he gives is that vince forced him to go talk to bischoff my understanding is that um well not my understanding but there's other people who say like well brett took it upon his upon himself to go out and try to solicit another contract and i wouldn't trust that vince as far as WCW i could throw him was like he says now that he didn't, we never left WWE. But he he felt WWE was a sinking ship, and he also wanted to like get in on the WCW. Yeah, it's a good so thing I don't know. He was the head guy on Sunday. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, he was amazing over there. Vince is about so many as memories. Vince is about as trustworthy as a toad. <laughs> I mean, who who knows? But I, I honestly, over the years, I've I've felt less and less bad for Bret Hart as like. The days go on. I don't know. Like, well, if they didn't no, kill almost, Owen, I'm almost, like, I'm almost happy he got screwed now. But Owen getting killed through a monkey <laughs> wrench and everything. Owen, well, you can't say Owen got killed. I mean, he died in a tragic accident. It's like Vince shot him in the head. Like <laughs> 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 Vince shot Owen at point blank range. I mean, that's hey Owen, he died in a look, very tra- <laughs> yeah. Owen, surprise. <laughs> 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 hey, hey, uh, Vince! Ah, yeah. You know the. Cl- I mean, it's 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 uh, it's a really like terrible coincidence, but it's like, I mean, 
it's not like that was the first time they pulled a stunt where somebody was like, you know, coming down from the ceiling. Sting was doing it every week for well, a year. Exactly. Sting was doing it week in and week out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just bad luck. And, well, you look at the, I, they, they just, I, I was just watching this video of uh, like 20 years since Hell in a Cell and the way that Mick Foley fell through the top of the Hell in a Cell. Like they had like now, um, now that was yeah now that was uh, that was completely unplanned. I mean that was yes I, I I've heard that 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 was not yeah. supposed to happen. I'm pretty yeah, sure okay. that the only thing holding that cage was plastic zip ties. Yeah. Because when you see McFoley fall through, you saw like eight zip ties fly off. Yeah, and and, and whoever idea like whoever idea was that that would have been enough to sustain the weight of that slob, McFoley. And not just his weight falling, but his weight coming down from Taker's height, right? Like, like the velocity of whatever Taker was doing. Right. I mean, that's that's outrageous to think that that cage would have held. Right. I mean, it wasn't Rey Mysterio. I mean, you know, Mick Foley yeah. was probably three twenty, three thirty. Yep. Do you think when like the safety people were up there, Vince is like, and he's winking, he's like, "It's safe, right? <laughs> Those zip ties are going to hold him up, right?" Yeah. I mean, when they're just walking on the cage up top, you see it dipping like almost all the way down. Like it was almost about to rip right through. Have you guys like tried to watch that match in recent years? Or I mean, yeah, I just watched it. Yeah, I have. I mean, it's it's really not a good match. It's just it's just a there is no match. There is no match. The whole match is him getting it's him getting thrown off the cage. Then he gets thrown through the cage. Then he gets slammed on the uh, thumbtacks, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, you, you always hear about, like, you know, the classic match, and it's like, it was just like, it was just like the, you know, um, like, violence porn. It was like, he gets thrown off the cage, and then five minutes later, he gets, like, choke slammed into the thumbtacks. It was like watching, really like, uh, Evil Knievel Jr., like, we're going to do three yeah. jumps. The first one yeah. over a yeah, canyon. Exactly. exactly, yeah. The second yeah. one over a water fountain. Look, I, but yeah. I think that's a lot, you guys, honestly, I, I really do, I do believe that that's how... As wrestling fans, by nature, I think we romanticize moments and we equate that with like the this this idea that the match is incredible. Where it's just like these spots, these unforgettable, memorable spots were moments exactly right, that, de- that defined an era. But that doesn't mean it was a, it was a five star match, right? Yeah, the match and itself wasn't even good. Like, and, and you know what it is? You're right because it's like you romanticize the moment for all these weeks, months, years, now it's, you know, 20 plus years on, and you forget that, like, everything around it was, like, nothing to write home about, but it was, it all it takes is that one classic moment. And isn't it crazy yeah, that, that, that Beyond the Mat documented that moment? Right. That's another great wrestling documentary. Yeah. Or when The Rock hit Mick Foley in the head with a chair, like, 80 times, and his yeah, daughter I mean, was crying. That's not a good match. So, that's, like, that's actually, absolutely, like, that's insane, by the way. Like yeah, that's just that was that was awful. It's hard, that is hard to watch, honestly. Yeah. Do you know why they like, stopped doing headshots? Do you remember why? I, I no, I, I don't. Was, I mean, I would guess something to, something to do with concussions, right? It has to be. Th- like, think about the worst thing that happened because of concussions. Benoit. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I last oh, night yeah. last night I was watching um, outside the lines from nineteen ninety eight. And I was watching a CNN. These, this is stuff's all on YouTube. A CNN thing called um, <clears throat> it was called like Death Grip Inside Pro Wrestling on CNN, and they were actually yeah. talking to Michael Benoit, uh, Chris Benoit's father, 
right at right after he or like eighteen yeah, months I, after I, he I killed. I remember that actually. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 Vince goes, "Whoa!" He goes, "They're all big boys. What am I supposed to do?" Like Vince was Vince was such a dick in these interviews. Like he he was just acting like I don't know if he was acting like a heel or what, but he's like, "Well, the one thing we got rid of were headshots with chairs." But besides that, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Jesus. But also, but Benoit, I mean, he also, I mean, I, I could like, I, I feel like I could like envision times that Benoit was like hitting himself in the head with a chair. Like I could see him doing that like, oh, on yeah. Monday Night Raw. I mean, so I, I, I think it's a combination of factors. I'm sure there was something in, something internal in Benoit that was ready to explode. I don't think that if like, any of us three took too many chair shots, we would end up like killing our family by using our finishing move. I, I just don't. <laughs> yeah, well, there was it a takes, combination with him, right? More. There was yeah. a lot of things going on. Yeah. yeah. Well, they said that he had the brain of a seventy-eight-year-old man with dementia. Right. When they studied it, and and he had yeah. a ton of concussions, and eighteen months before he killed his family, he was writing. He had this crazy journal that he was writing to Eddie Guerrero. Do you guys see that? No. I did. I've heard about that. I met him probably six months before he, he did all that. Um, you met Benoit? He, yeah, I did. He was doing a meet and greet at a gym in uh, yeah, outside oh. of Chicago. He was there with, I think, Terry Runnels or, or, or someone else. Like, I, I, I guess it he makes was sense. There with a diva, oh. and I, I met Ryan, him. I guess, it makes sense. I guess it makes sense why you don't talk about that meeting a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, never, yeah. I never heard about it. Do you still have the photograph, Ryan, or the autograph? I, I do. No, I do have it somewhere. And, and I remember he looked up at me and said, I'm going to kill my family. And I just thought <laughs> <laughs> Bet you don't think I'll kill my family. <laughs> but, wait, but, but wait, tell me tell me more about this journal. I, I'm not familiar with it. So he had a journal where he'd say, hey, Eddie, I had a dream last night that my parents got murdered. And then my in-laws got murdered. And it was all like crazy rambling. Oh, my God. And he would write it to Eddie. That's right, because Eddie was already dead. Go watch those two specials on YouTube. One, I forgot which one, wow. but one of them has it. And his father. No, it, I, don't think, I don't think Eddie was dead yet. Eddie wasn't dead. Okay, no, no, he was, he, was dead. he was dead. He was? Eddie Guerrero died 18 months before Benoit died. Oh, that's okay. crazy. I, I, feel I like, knew it was close. Wait, then then yeah. who was the one? Wait, hold on. Then who was the one who talked to, who talked to Benoit the day of or, or the day before, and they thought that he sounded lucid and very clear? Do you remember that? There was, there was a story. Like, Benoit called and said, hey, I'm not going to make the, the leg. Oh, yeah. Was it Arn Anderson? I don't remember. Somebody I think it was Arn. I think it was Arn Anderson. It could have been Arn or maybe Chavo or something like I don't well, remember. Because at the time, Benoit was in he was in ECW, right? He was like ECW. Was he like in the title feud or the new ECW? Remember that? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I don't think Chris ever made it to new ECW. I, I don't okay. remember. Look, somebody somebody talked to him the day of or day before, and and, and uh, oh, was it Chavo? Maybe him. it could have been Chavo. Um, yeah, I don't know, but but I know that Benoit sounded. He sounded clear. They said he he just wasn't feeling well, and he didn't make the trip. Oh, here it is. It was approximately three thirty when close friend Chavo received a voicemail message from oh, Benoit. Right. There you go, Chavo. Then yeah. admitted to missing a flight for the show that was scheduled for later in the evening. When Guerrero yeah. returned the call, he spoke to Benoit, but uh, commented that Benoit didn't uh, sounded like he was exhausted. During the call, Benoit told Guerrero that he had a bout of food poisoning, which I just had last week. So, guys, watch out. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, <laughs> No, 
No, uh, you mean like watch out like your sticker, watch out you're going to murder your entire family. No, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah, telling you guys, I was telling you guys to watch out that okay. I might murder you. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll keep my doors locked. Uh, it's a precursor. Yeah. A string of text messages were sent from the phones. Blah blah blah. Yeah, so it was Chavo. Yeah. Hey, I got a couple messages too. Last podcast, I talked about my whole thing with the with the audition that I had with. WWE. Oh, we're we're, we're, want- oh, we're getting to that. Okay, good. All right. That, that's sure. that's the main event of this podcast. All right. That, that's what we're building up to. That's that's. Uh, okay. We'll actually get just, to that. Just, ma- just making sure. Yeah, yeah. No, everyone. Yeah, people. I've been getting messages left and right all around the country about this. Okay. Tell me this Ryan story. Honestly, we just, pe- Abe, Abe just had to get his uh, Ben Watch tribute in first. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know what's crazy too? Hold on. Speaking of the Ben Watch tribute, like the, the craziest shit for, for for me for that was like that. Day, right wasn't that monday and like yeah. they uh yeah they, they did that whole raw right that yeah yep. I, I think it had i think it happened like that that morning or afternoon so i actually remember abe I, I think i was at work I remember abe texting me like about it and like yeah when it happened i don't think anybody knew uh or they didn't assume that he that he was the actual uh murderer and they did that yeah. whole like tribute episode of Raw, where like everyone was, was crying, crowd, and everyone was crying. Yeah. Vince was like in the ring, giving like a very emotional testimony about Benoit. Yeah, they canceled God, Raw I, that day. I'd, lo- I'd love, to, I'd love to find that Raw again, man. No, what that happened was, really was weird. They, they, it's on, it's on YouTube. I think they canceled Raw that Monday, yeah. and the whole thing, and and actually the thing I was watching about about Benoit, they played when CM Punk was like. I just want to wrestle Chris Benoit so bad, and I didn't, and he was my hero. And they're like, he was CM, CM Punk's hero, turned out to be a murderer. Yeah. So, wow. um, but it, it's funny, th- those documentaries were so awesome back then. The, the Wrestling with Shadows and yeah. um, Beyond the Mat. That line that I always say about Bret Hart is actually from Wrestling with Shadows. And I just want to play the clip. This is the full, if you've never heard the entire clip, this is where it comes from when I say a thing about the enema. Last week, I said the United States of America was one big, giant toilet bowl. <laughs> if you were going to give the United States of America an enema, you'd stick the holes right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> that wasn't my idea to say that. I'm urged, I'm not forced, but I'm urged to say this. So really get him going and in retrospect now looking back i think it was a mistake to say that it's that's not me uh i wouldn't have said that and i don't personally think that if i was going to stick the hose in the united states i certainly wouldn't look at pittsburgh um maybe washington oh shut up Brett. maybe washington god i, I love i Great love how, i just love how he has to explain it like that like you know if i was gonna stick the hose like there is no enema hose for a country like i love exactly. how he has, yeah. why even you know you know i didn't really mean it because if i was gonna stick the hose you're going to washington it, not there, Pittsburgh. there's no hose there's no enema there's yeah. yeah there's no asshole there's None of it, right? Like, none of you're right. That's hilarious. Uh, if I, you know, I shouldn't have said it because the real hoes would go in Washington. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But if you've never seen Wrestling with Shadows, it is the greatest wrestling documentary ever. And now, I, I had to get to all that because it, when was the last time you heard a Chris Benoit tribute? Uh, I do want to get to Ryan Mano, who could, your your career, who knows what you would have been doing right now? 
I mean, you might have been yeah, fired. I mean, based, here, look, look, here's what I'll say. This is, this is the one thing I'll say. Based on the uh, track record of those who've, who've written and worked with Vince, uh, I probably wouldn't have lasted more than eight months. Well, let's start yeah. Let's start from the beginning. Were, yeah. Were, were we doing the show on Sirius at the time still? I think we were. No. Were we? I, thought, I felt like it was maybe just before that. No, no, no. It wasn't. Uh, be- it definitely wasn't before. It could have been during. I, I, yeah, it could. It very well could have been during. Um. So uh, a, a friend of mine, and if you know him, Arthur. His name is Arthur yeah. Rocheck. He uh, he did the live event marketing for for WWE. So he was the guy who you know if if WWE was coming to Allstate Chicago or wherever, like he was the guy who ran the marketing ahead of time that that sort of basically alerted people that that WWE was coming to town. And you knew Arthur, right? He was a good dude. Yeah, he was a real nice guy. He would give me free yeah. tickets. Yeah. <laughs> and he was the guy, too, who brought, who brought in all the wrestlers. So, like, everyone, you know, all the wrestlers that would come into our show when we worked with Manny oh, yeah. or, or, or whatever. So Arthur would arrange all that stuff. So um, Arthur knew that, that I was a, a fan and, and, and kind of, a, a, I, I guess, a creative guy. And, and, and Well, you, you a, wrote, you actually wrote for the radio station website. Were you actually, yeah, like, Sam, yeah. Sam, you'll love this. Ryan wrote, so we, we had a thing with Metallica and Ryan wrote this shitty review about, I think it was some kind of monster. Their shittiest album. Saint Anger. Oh, St. Anger. I remember this. Yeah, I remember this from yeah, and, way back in the And day. Ryan, yeah. Ryan was brutally honest about, and that is the yeah. shittiest album of all time. Yeah. And he got in trouble from the loser program director, yep, I like remember, I remember a complete this, yeah. dunce moron um, who, who, who like he, he called Ryan like a schlep <clears throat> or something. So, like, <laughs> but Ryan was a good writer on top of yeah, everything I remember, else. I remember reading their review, and I'm like, this Ryan Mano guy is okay with me, because I thought that was a real piece of shit album. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had done some writing, and Arthur knew that, and you know I was a wrestling fan. So so he he, he put me in touch with this guy, John Weiner, and his name was Spelled Weiner. You mean Weiner? Yeah, his name, honestly, his name was Spelled Weiner, and I always thought that every time I, every time I talked to him, Weiner. <laughs> but John was their uh, HR director, and... Um, and Arthur said to John, he's like, hey, I'd love this guy to get a shot if, if we could, you know, set him up with, with an interview. And so John walked me through the whole process. And it was a long, long-ass process, right? So I had to write this, uh, I had to basically write like a three-month program that, 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 that went week in and week out. I mean, it was long. It was like pages and pages and pages of this program, uh, Raw, SmackDown, how it culminated. Do you remember, do you remember any of it? Oh yeah, no, I remember the whole thing. So, so not the whole whole thing, like in and out, but but basically the premise that I wrote was, um, uh, and I wanted to be a little controversial because I felt like it's what they needed. So I I wrote like it was it was a, it was basically surrounding something called the New Nation, and it was the Nation of Domination, uh, but like a reboot. And so it was this very racially charged uh, n- New Nation. It was when do you remember when Karma or Austin Kong came in? Yeah. And like she, I know she was involved. It was a female member that was wrestling men, and uh, it was a lot of their black wrestlers. And, and uh, it was pretty like controversial to be uh, to be totally honest. Like for someone writing like uh, something to get into a company, I probably should have treaded a little light lighter. Uh, but but that was it. you know and, what and though was, I I don't agree with that. I think you have to give them the goods right away, dude. And that's what I thought. That was my thinking at the time. Was like let them know that like I'm invested not only in the past, like I understand the past, but, but I'm here to like, kind of, you know, shake it up a little bit and, and, and kind of 
kind of push the envelope, right? That was my thought at least. Um, and so, 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 okay, they, wait, wait. So Arthur yeah. got you an interview with Wiener. Okay, and Wiener said, I need you to write up three months worth of storylines. Yep. And and what did that include? Like storylines for the entire roster? Uh, no, you don't have to pick the entire roster, but you have to basically just zone in on like uh, your your creation, right? Like what it is you're writing for. So, so it's like one long, one long program, essentially. Yes, a, a long program, and whether it involves okay. two guys or four people. Do you or, still have that six, written out, Ryan? Uh, somewhere, dude. Somewhere in somewhere in if you, some email. Or, if you find yeah. it, could you forward it to me? I would love to just read it. Yeah, I, I just want to see I, the formatting and everything. Yeah. So, so I had a, and that's the other thing is that you have to learn their format, right? You have to follow their exact format. So I had to basically write three months of TV in in a couple weeks, and you know, and play it out to completion at, at WrestleMania. That's how they wanted it. They basically wanted it starting at the Rumble, you know, after the Rumble and playing out to. Till WrestleMania, and so the idea then after that, I had it written, and they uh, said they liked it. You know, they they really liked it, and so they said, "Okay, we wait, wait, we, wait, we wait, 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 wait." They liked the New Nation idea. Yes. So so Wiener got it, and he liked it, or Vince, or what? Uh, he liked it, and and, and who whoever they is, I don't know whether that was Stephanie or or, or Hunter or. Or Brian Gewirtz, like, or whoever. Yeah, they, right, writers, writers committee, or something. Yeah, right. And well, who told you this? I, I don't know. Who? So the Wiener guy said, "Hey, they love it. They love it. So they, we're gonna bring, yeah, we're okay. gonna bring you in, and then next is you're gonna meet with um, the entire team of writers uh, in, in Stanford, and you're gonna pitch it in person, just so they can get a feel for how you how you are, you know, how you present, right?" Um, and that was right. That just that idea where I'm like, shit, this, this is actually happening. I mean, it's like, honestly, you guys, and look, here's the thing. It's like me or you or, or Sam or anyone listening to this podcast all of a sudden, cause I'm just a fan, right? Like I'm a Mark, right. like everyone else. I mean, all of a sudden you're getting this call that, Hey, you're, you're, we're flying you out. We're going to put you up at the, the Sheridan next Titan towers. And we're bringing you in and you're going to meet with, the entire writing team. You're who who like, at the time was who? Okay, so so in that meeting, so I remember um, going into uh, the, the tower, and I remember I met with John Finer Wiener for for maybe an hour. We walked around. He introduced me to a few people, and then we went into the the famous boardroom. Uh, I think on the third floor, they have five or six floors. Vince is up on five. I, I, it was in the third floor boardroom, and I met with Brian Goldworth. Uh, Dave Kapoor, who is a Ranjan Singh, who is or was the head writer of SmackDown. Um, oh God, he's the guy who would say, the great Kali says, right? Yes, he's the great Kali says guy. Uh, Brian Gewirtz, um, uh, Michael Hayes was there, but I don't think he sat in on the meeting. I remember meeting Michael. Oh, you met him? Um, yeah. What, how um, did they introduce you? Like, oh, Ryan's applying to be a writer? Yeah, he's here. He's an applicant. He's a writer. He's a writing applicant. Was oh, he like, was he, quick, did he let, do that thing? Let me thing? tell you a quick side story. So wait, wait, Ryan, did, did he do that thing where he had like the circle by his dick and he's like, made you look? <laughs> he didn't. But, but check this, so check this out. So this is insane. So, so this was at the time that Abe, you and I and Sam, and we were really, uh, like in, in really pretty steady communication with CM Punk, right? Like he was on the serious show all the time. I remember I had, I had dinner with him a couple weeks prior and, and, 
Punk was really like advocating for me to, to go for this job. Okay. So, uh, and, and hey, back me up on this. Like punk was a pretty regular figure in our life. All the time. And, 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 yeah. and he, we, we, we would, te- or you would text CM Punk. And he would just come on the show the same way he when just, I would. He would just like drive. He would just like drive right over. People don't believe yeah. this stuff. He he rode a scooter over to the the show. He was in our studio the night before Money in the Bank when he won the title from John Cena. Correct. His yes, his greatest moment ever. He was sitting yep. with us, and Cold Cabana came yep. with him. Hours, just hours before that. He yeah. I, and I remember asking him. I said, "What are you going to do if if they try to cash in the Money in the Bank?" He goes, "I'll probably run through the crowd," and that's what happened. And, and he, he was playing up the whole, like, he didn't sign. We had this, yeah. th- that old man got attacked by a robber. He got shot in the face. You just called yeah. CM Punk up, and he, he surprised this old man. CM Punk, it, it's like with Ronda Rousey. I would text her. People don't believe this. How, how wasn't it, didn't yeah. I just text Ronda Rousey in the middle oh, yeah. of shows, and she would call in? Yeah. It was crazy. But CM Punk was the same way. It's like, you would text him. Or, or like yeah. you had uh, the band against me was at JBTV. You, you just said, "Hey, punk, they're here." He came there to watch the band. I mean, it was it was he, like you know, that. He would come with Colt. He and Cabana would come just, just uh, on a whim. They'd come whenever. Yeah, and then he would so, always like try to surprise people too. Like he he'd, he'd be like, "Yeah, I might come," and he'd always show up. He'd always show up. That's it. So so and and look over the years. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think the last time I texted him was when he got signed by USB, and I said, "Congrats!" Like that was really that was like the last time I talked to him. So. So at the time, he was a pretty regular constant in our life, and he was really advocating for me to, to get this job. And so um, I put him on the the resume. As, this is just an interesting little side note. I put him on the resume as a as a contact, and I put Phil Brooks and you know his, his address, his phone number, all this. Stuff. Um, I got a call the night before, the night before my interview at WWE, and and John Weiner said, "Hey, um, just." Just the thought, you're probably going to want to take Phil Brooks off your resume. <laughs> oh, so they hated it. Wow. Yeah, dude. So, so I thought crazy. that was very fascinating. Like they didn't want to see his name on it, and 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 I said, I asked John why, and he said, well, they did, they don't want to, you know, it's it's a thing where they don't want to bring in writers who look like they're playing scripts to certain people. But but look, at the end of the day, I I figured it out. I read I read between the lines, like. He probably just wasn't very highly regarded. Yeah, and it, doesn't that kind of like the way this story ends? Doesn't it show you why if they if they didn't like a guy like CM Punk at the time, it just kind of shows you the way things were going. Yes, yeah. So, so I remember, dude. I remember going down in the lobby of this Sheridan or, or or the Hilton or whatever they they had me at, and I remember using their lobby computer to rework my resume and print it off without his name on it. Wait, let's let's before you get you're already in the building. I'm I'm kind of okay. Yeah. So Stamford, Connecticut, ESPN is there too, right? Yep. So is it like right? Is are they like? Oh no, ESPN's in Bristol. They're they're, in, they're not far. So it's it's the same place where like Jerry Springer and like um uh you know um who's the one dude who's the oh Steve Steve, Steve Wilkos. Steve Wilkos, yeah, they all they all shoot there in Stanford because it's like they have like great tax breaks for these these companies, and it's close to New York City. That's why it's super close. Like I flew into Laguardia, right? And WWE had a limo driver. They picked me up at, at Laguardia. And how far was the drive? Forty five minutes. If oh, that, that's it. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was so close. Okay, now so so you stayed at like a Hilton close to the towers the night yeah, before. Yeah, it was, it was it was blocks away, and I remember waking up that morning and I went for a jog and I ran by the towers. Uh, my my meeting was like a one or something, and I woke up early and I ran by just to just to see it. And I remember and, texting Punk that morning. I texted Punk outside and I go, 
hey, I'm meeting, I'm meeting in a couple hours, and he's like, give him hell, go get him. That's awesome. And and what yeah. what did you think of the building? Like, were you impressed by it? Oh, okay. So, no, 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 I wasn't. So, yes, it's impressive, but, but and, and this is not a political statement in any way, shape, or form. It reminded me of what you expect Donald Trump. Uh, it was, like, gold and gaudy <laughs> and just, just, just over-the-top, like, tacky. It was it was yeah, dated and, 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 and just very, very gold. So you think they haven't updated it probably, right? It's the same way it's I'm always like I'm guessing they haven't. I'm guessing I'm guessing it's very similar. Yeah. Okay, so now they pick you up in a limo. Yeah. So so they pick you up in a limo at the hotel also or you just walk over? Yeah, they pick me up in a not a limo but like a like a suburban or like, you know, some sort of black SUV. And Vir- Virgil was driving? Yeah, Virgil. Yeah, Virgil drove. So was, was, let me ask. You, let me ask you this. You know, how, okay. So every comedy club, the, like if let's say, um, I don't know, like uh, who's a comedian? Uh, Carlos Mencia, whatever. Ralphie yeah. May dead. So Ralphie yeah. May's in town, right? Some guy named Buzz will pick him up at the airport, and then Buzz talks to him the whole way. D- did the WWE limo driver? Did he? Did he have a lot to say to you, or was he like just pissed off to no, pick you up? No, he was an independent. I don't believe. I don't. I never got the sense that he worked for WWE. He was just like he was a hired gun, and he had nothing to say to you. No, there was no conversation about what I was doing or what, any okay. of that at what, all. What did you wear to the meeting? A collared shirt, like a button-up shirt, tucked into sort of gray, gray dress pants. I think I, I don't know if I wore a tie. I, I feel like John Weiner guided me through, and he's like, no. You don't need to wear a tie. Like he, he basically walked me through the, the process, like what what not to wear, right? Okay, because like Pat Patterson, maybe he would have been like, oh, "Who's this?" Look, he, <laughs> yeah, you see, no, you see the it, it he like goes this. that guy kid has legs like tree trunk legs with an ass to match. <laughs> he has a great <laughs> ass on him. Yeah, no, it wasn't like that. You seen the new kid? Great oh, ass. God. All right, yeah. so okay, so, so yeah, so I I, pitched, I I stand up in this boardroom and I was nervous too. And on the wall, like, in this room, on the wall is, like, I mean, dude, legendary shit. Like, like uh, you know, I mean, pictures of Hogan slamming Andre with Hogan's autograph. This and, is in and, the boardroom? Yeah, in the boardroom. T- like, titles, you know, like the, the original, you know, belts and all. I mean, just, like, vintage stuff. Like, memorabilia. So, I don't, dude, it's intimidating. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are or what you... Like, what even your knowledge or, or fandom is in terms of wrestling? Like, it's intimidating. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, your head spinning that you're even there. Well, it's, it, it's like right? a dream. I could compare it to when we were on Howard Stern's channel. We met Howard Stern. Yes. I mean, that was surreal. Like, there's nothing about it that wasn't surreal. Exactly. It's it just, you're, you're just shocked. You never, when you're, when we were kids watching Raw, watching Howard Stern on E, whatever, you never thought you'd be in their presence or, or no. work for them or with them. And like, no Vince Mc, like even more like Howard Stern and, 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 and WWE were like my two favorite things. So yeah, like, and, and, and that's the thing. So, so, and when I get in there, they sit me down and, and, and they, they're, they're telling me before I pitch they're they're saying, and, and, and the way they say it, 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 it almost makes you think like, Hey, we're really considering bringing you on. So that, they tell me, look, like here's the deal. So there's a home team and away team, and if you know if you start on the away team, you're going to travel X amount of days a week. You'll be here. We'd like you to. We'd like you to relocate to Stanford. Uh, here's a couple buildings that offer discounts. You know, what, on, on what kind of money did they ever get into money? Um, 
If they did, I don't remember. Well, but, but, yeah, if they, it, if they did, I don't recall. Do you think it was like closer to like eighty thousand or two hundred thousand? No, it wasn't two hundred. I, I know. See, here's why I think that they must have gotten into money because I remember thinking like, well, that was more than I was making at the time. You know, I, I just remember that. So I. I but you weren't like, probably, whoa, five hundred thousand. This wasn't is great. Like, oh, quarter million dollars. Yeah. But it was definitely upwards of a hundred of a hundred grand. I, I almost remember uh, though you saying like you got to be more like than what it was. For like a, you know, I almost remember you saying. Yeah, like I, I, I do remember. Money. Like I don't remember specifics. I do remember at least thinking like, well, that would be a comfortable living, right? Like I remember yeah. that. I, I don't remember specifics. So they get you into that. They they tell you like, you know, here's what your life would be. You know, does that sound like something you'd be interested in? And you know, I mean, it it was it was stressful the way they they talk about it. It's like. You're never really off the clock. Vince could call you at any moment. And- God, can you imagine that call? Hey, bud. Yeah. Hey, I want to run something by. There's accounts out there from writers who say Vince would call him at 3, 4 in the morning. Like, could you, you know, could you write me up this program and fax it in the next hour? Like, that would happen. Oh, yeah, no, that's, and that's what they said. Like, your, your life, like, just so you know, this isn't a job, it's a lifestyle, right? And so they prepare you for that, and you have to, you have to basically agree before you even pitch these people like that you're interested in, in having that be your life. Hey, pal. So, New nation, yeah. huh? So, so then I remember standing up, and, and I mean, it, it, in that moment, dude, like you basically have, like, I think there's probably eight, eight people sitting around the table looking at you, and you're up in front of this, this, this iconic boardroom that a lot of stories are based on. I mean, you listen to any podcast with Bruce and Conrad or, or who, I mean, like they, they, like everyone's been in this boardroom. It's crazy, right? So it's, it's, um, you're standing in front of it, all these people looking at you and you're presenting your story. Did you, did you have visual aids or no? No, they, they said no visual aids, none of that. So you had to just stand there and pitch the idea, right? Yes. Do you remember the way you pitched it? I mean, yes and no. I remember, I remember pitching it based on my script and I have a pretty good memory. So I remember reciting it pretty close from memory but and they were all very you know they're very attentive but i mean look dude for years you hear brian gewurz right the head writer of raw no one knows what he looks like and, and he's sitting there dave kapoor i mean dude the fact that ranjan singh at the time and ranjan singh at the time was a tv character he's a, uh, at the time right he's like great colleagues handler and, and i'm like what is this dude sitting here looking like this is fucking crazy yeah so they, you know, they and, and, you're you're pitching it, and they all just had like stone faces on, or were they like receptive? No, no, they're nodding, they're nodding along, they're asking questions, right? So you have to kind of go with it. But I mean, I don't know. Ultimately, I felt like at the end, I did I did a pretty good job, and they were they were uh, they they all seemed very impressed. But but here's the deal: at the end of the, at the end of the day, I mean, so they they were like, "Hey, that was great, that was great," right? Like everyone was very complimentary, and then I remember like. Two days, I think, before Thanksgiving, I got a call from John Weiner saying um, they had one slot open and they, they gave the job to somebody with more TV writing experience. So, so that was uh, that was the end of it. But, but it was it was nuts. I mean, it was. But wait a the minute. Whole thing was, part, the whole thing was crazy. Wait, part of the story though was that Ranjay Singh fucked you, right? Because he got mad that you questioned something he did on TV, right? Okay, no. So you're right. So here's the thing. That's that's a good point. You're right. Because, because that that was. I, I, I remember. Think, you... I don't think it was. I don't think it was Ranjan Singh. I think it was it was Brian Gewurz. And and 
I mentioned something about because uh, I have a good memory. Uh, I remember. I remember. I have a great memory. Here was. Here was. So they. So after I pitched mine, they gave me another. They said, "Give give us another. Give us something else." And so I pitched the tournament, and I, I pitched the tournament like. You know the uh, the one at WrestleMania. What was it, three or four? Or something? I don't four, remember. Yeah. Right WrestleMania then? four. Yeah. So I, I pitched that, and I mentioned something about a match, and I don't remember what match it was. But they said, "Oh, that wasn't WrestleMania four. That was WrestleMania three. And and I said, "I'm pretty sure it was four. <clears throat> and uh, someone looked it up in the room, and they go, "No, Ryan's right. It was four. And like, I remember whoever the fuck it was, whether it was Brian Gewirtz or or. Or Dave Kapoor, uh, Ron and Singh, they, they like, they were visibly upset that I knew that. And they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that was part of it. Yeah, I, I, I had my facts straight. Whatever. And again, dude, it was so long ago. I don't remember the exact specifics, but, but yeah, I, I had the facts right, and they didn't. And, uh, and it but was wait. one of the head guys. I think it was Gaward or, or Dave Kapoor, and. Those are the head writers, right? And so I, I, I had that that piece of information, and they didn't, and and it, it, it kind of backfired on me. Uh, but I remember another part of it that you told me that they ask you about the current product, and you were very uh, critical of it, and that upset them. I believe you told me, right? Didn't you? You, See, you, you, you said I, I, you I don't said remember that. you said something ignorant about like oh well well this this storyline blah 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 and. And I believe you told me Ranjay Singh got very offended because you said they, they asked you something about what was going on now. And you said some you were just being honest and critical about something. And yeah, and it rubbed awful. them the wrong I, way. I don't, rem- I don't I literally don't. Rem- and I'm not just saying that, like, I don't remember that specifically. Um, here's what I will tell you is that after what WrestleMania 32 in Dallas, I was there and I, I ran into Ranjay Singh slash Dave Kapoor. And uh, I talked to him at a newsstand, and he remembered me, and we had a nice conversation. He didn't seem to hold a grudge, so whatever whatever happened then was, was water under the bridge. But, um, you, yeah, you might be right, Abe. I, I could have offended the current product, and that, that might have done me in. He wasn't still trying to defend that angle he ran with. No, uh, he wasn't. With Beth, he with Beth, Beth Phoenix and Alicia Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it was the best thing for Alicia at the time. You just didn't yeah. understand. And because of that, I couldn't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the story, basically. And I, and I, I look, I, I don't know. Uh, John Weiner no longer works there. My friend Arthur no longer works there. So I wouldn't even really know how to get back in touch with them if I wanted to, to, to yeah. sort of reapply or, or get I mean, I, I think, I, I think Ryan, you mentioned this at the start, like you, 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 you mentioned something about longevity and my understanding is that, um, besides, you know, a select few who are like really close to Vince, you know, you're, if you're there for a year, you're a senior member of the writing team. Oh my like, God. People yeah. Just, I mean, people you, just you, don't people last month. Most people yeah. literally last month. Yeah. Yeah. People don't last. And I feel like you have to then deal like you, I know Billy Gunn's with AEW now, but can you just imagine Billy Gunn always being a prick? And just the guy, like the the quote agents that you have to work with, like Arn and I know Arn Anderson got fired, but a guy like that. We we were joking the other day that Arn Anderson is always because he thinks that his like well, chest hair pattern's well, sexy, I, I, I so think, he walks around of- backstage with just <laughs> slack with those slacks on and no shirt, and then yeah, he's always like, oh, "Should I grab a shirt?" I think part of it with the writers too, though, is that the writers are the easiest ones to blame when things are not going well. 
So, like, it's almost like sports where it's always like, well, you know, the team sucks, so we have to fire somebody. We can't fire the players, we fire the coaches. In wrestling, when, you know, ratings are down or an angle wasn't successful, the writers are always the ones. You know, a lot of times maybe the angle was written well and the performers couldn't, like, you know, put it up to snuff on TV. The writers are the ones yeah. who always get the axe because of it. Yeah, they're, for they're sure. the ones that are most easily expendable. That's it. But don't you feel like it's like a real like cutthroat business? Because I feel like anything like Michael P.S. Hayes, he would probably try. To, if you were getting too many good storylines, I bet he would try to sabotage you. Oh yeah, no, dude. I mean, and, and you think you, you hear the stories about the like, JBL, and I mean, dude, it, it, like. So it, let's say your shelf life is eight months. By the by, the four month mark, you're only just now getting to a point where JBL isn't isn't like like shitting you know, burning, in your bag, burning your underwear or whatever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you, Ryan hasn't even earned his uh, earned his dues yet. I only shit in his duffel bag twice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so. oh, Ryan, you got poop on your shirt how many times? Twice. Why don't you ask Cole how many times I shit in his bag? Cole, how many times? Oh, 17. Yeah. Oh, okay. But my, my only, like, honest to God, you guys, my only hope, so I knew all that shit going in that it wasn't going to be easy with, with, with the, the boys, so to speak, right? The only hope I had in that regard was Punk. I swear to God. Yeah. And, and Punk, obviously, they hated him, so it didn't help you at all. They made me take his name off my resume. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you never told me that before. That's awesome. I mean, that's yeah. fucked up. If you, if you think about it, though, guys, you know, when you became friendly with Punk, that was probably within a year of, like, when he departed. So he was probably already on the outs at that time. Yeah. No, but this was, was be, this was before because... You, we, just, we, we, didn't, we didn't understand at that point how bad things really were with Punk and, yeah. you know, what was going on backstage. No, this was, this was back when Punk was with the, the, oh, ne- wait, the, new, the yeah, new Nexus. I, I mean, I, I apologize. I mean, uh, um, uh, probably within a year of when he actually did the pipe bomb, yeah, and won yeah. the title. But I think yeah. at that point, he said he said in interviews um, and you know through other channels that things were never good with WWE after that. Like you know, shortly thereafter, like things really got bad. Yeah, yeah, and that that was back when like they had nothing for him. Like if you remember. He he did the the. Well, dude, um, he was on EC. He was on the new ECW, and I mean that was he was it was horrendous. Yeah. What's bad for him? But then he did the Straight Edge Society, where he actually won the title, and then after that they like put him in the new Nexus, and then yeah. after that is when he did the pipe bomb. Yeah, I mean somebody so, so, somebody so, back, so back then knew he was good. Go no, somebody, somebody back then knew he was right. good because he he. I mean, I I. I Seeing what he did now, the fact that he did end up like leaving and not going back, I really do think he did intend to leave. I mean, he probably said, "You know, I don't need this anymore. I've made enough money." And he is—he's that kind of guy. Like he's, you know, he—he's very like stubborn and principled at the same time. So like, he probably felt like he was in a creative hole, which he was. And there was yeah. somebody who was like, "Let's let let this guy do what he wants to. Let's just see what happens." That's and that's. Yeah, probably will under the pipeline. Like, let's see what he could do, and like, obviously, he yeah. killed it. I think that's a good um, a good story though, because everyone wants to know how to become a writer for WWE. Like that that's impo- It just seems impossible. Like it just and and pretty much you have to know someone to to get a chance at all, right? Yes, to get a chance exactly. And then once you get the chance, even if your story's great, and even if they like it, and they're like, "Wow, that's pretty compelling," and it's it's 
pushing the envelope. I mean, even then you have to, you have to hope that they, um, they, they, they have the room or, or they, they appreciate the way you, you hold your own. And look, dude, there, there's a million ways to second guess your own presentation. And that's what I've always done. It's like, what if I was a little more confident or what if I, what if I was too confident? I don't know. Right. You, you just second guess everything about it where you go. I don't know. You know, the way you hold yourself is, is it, maybe that rubs them the wrong way for good or bad. Right. Like you don't know. I don't know. And I think, I think the situation too, like you're prone to overanalyze when it is, like you said, it's WWE. It's, it's like your childhood heroes. If it was just some like, you know, Joe Schmo company, you wouldn't be overthinking it like that. But it's like when you're exactly. put in that situation, like Abe said with Howard Stern, it's like yeah, you know, yeah, you dude, exactly. important people, people your whole career, and you don't think yeah, about dude, it. Yeah, dude, you're right. So, so I think what happens is these people are not only analyzing the way that that, that you're writing the story, and your story could be gold, but but they're looking at could Vince get along with this guy? Like does does Stephanie like like this personality? Does Hunter right? So they're they're looking at so many other things that you don't know that are just completely arbitrary, right? Right. And, um, and, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and, and how, do, how, how would the wrestlers react to this guy? And, again, I go back to the fact that, like, my only hope and prayer in that moment was knowing how brutal they are going, well, Punk will save me. Will, will Mickey James, will Mickey James right. want to have sex with this guy? Like, that's what they always have to worry about. You think Mickey? The one thing we, the was one Mickey, was Mickey sniffing around him? Huh? The one thing- the one that we all know as fans in WWE is that the most talented people don't always get the job because if you look at you know who they have writing right now, um, it, there there definitely has to be better talent in America than Dana Warrior and Huey. God, wait, real quick, we we have to wrap this up because we're out of time. But I just want to get to a couple. Really, we'll do it in like three minutes. Um, that that giving that Warrior Award to that woman that no one's ever heard of, you know that that lady must have the worst sob story ever. Yeah. Like her house Dude. got blown up. Her her yeah. dog has no legs. Yeah, I'm surprised by that because everything else has been just so depressing, and everyone's like, "Dude, has been the backbone of his company." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Dana Dana Warrior, we found out, is on the writing the creative team. Yep. This is a guy, the Ultimate Warrior. He has there's a 95 minute homophobic rant on YouTube. And they're like, the Warrior Award is about living life the way the Ultimate Warrior lived his life. Yeah. The Ultimate Warrior, by the way, said that Heath Ledger's daughter should be uh, glad that her dad's dead because he played a gay guy in Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, see? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's and, and they, not surprising, but yeah. I haven't heard that. that, that that's your hero, the, the Warrior. Yeah. The war, he's the worst guy. He's way worse than Hogan. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Uh, 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 Rick Flair posted this. Rick Flair posted this painting of his wife Wendy where like her boobs like it's a it's a painting but she's in like lingerie with her boobs out and he put hashtag all night long. God. Like do you do you really think Rick Flair is still going all night long? Uh, no. Um the, the he's, re- he's he's a dirty old man. The WrestleMania Tampa logo is the shittiest. It's a pirate ship. It's I, I know it's a take of the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If there's no way that Vince McMahon didn't make this on Microsoft Paint, like when he was bored one day. I need it. I need it more piratey. Yeah. I need it more piratey. Listen, listen. We're gonna have truth come on. He's gonna be our truth. So come on, the pirate hat. It's gonna be great. Um, King Kong Bundy died, and here's the shocking thing: he was only 62. So that means if you see him at WrestleMania two, 
He was only 29 years old, King Kong Bundy. Oh, my God. He looked 60 then. How how, how is that possible that he was 29 at WrestleMania 2? That's crazy. And uh, uh, Oh, The Undertaker did a a live – did we talk about that where he was on – uh, he did like a church interview where he no, started, he started, he started, he started a church interview. <laughs> he, it was at one of those mega churches and he, and he was talking to the guy and he started crying about Michelle McCool, how she changed his life and all this stuff. And, and then they made him an honorary pastor. That's what yeah. that, in case you're wondering why he's not at WrestleMania yet, that's why he's busy doing stupid shit like that. Uh, I just, when I met Michelle, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's he, that's what he did. He teared, and she's like, I, I get emotional when I talk about her. She saved me. Yeah, okay. Um, saved him from what? Saved him from millions of dollars. And yeah, yeah. Amazing. God. Um, the the last God. thing I want to mention was um, Renee Young. She said, um, I don't know if you guys caught this. It was either on. It was like maybe two weeks ago. Where she goes, uh, they're like, well, as you know, uh, Dean Ambrose didn't resign his WWE contract. And I then, know what you're saying. On to bigger and better things. No, right? she said. She said uh, he's going to greener pastures. And oh, then there yeah. were, and then there was silence. And you know, Vince was going nuts on the on the headset. <laughs> you motherfucker! And, and and then ten seconds later, <laughs> Graves goes. Hey, this is WWE. Where else is she going to go? You know, he's like, what the fuck, you <laughs> greener pastures. I didn't catch that because. Said that and there was like a five second pause, and then Graves was like greener pastures. Like there are no greener pastures. You know what Vince said, right? Oh, Fucking yeah. bitch! <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> greener? <laughs> like he was just screaming, and then Graves said, "Hey, yeah. what are you talking about, greener pastures?" <laughs> Yeah. This is the greenest fucking pasture there is. <laughs> it doesn't get any goddamn greener. <laughs> get her, get her off, get her out of here. Get he get, he's like losing his wife. Get her out, get her out of here. Get her the yeah. fuck out. Yeah. All right. That's like that ten minutes later, uh, Drew McIntyre stabbed Dean Ambrose in their eye with a, with a pencil. <laughs> <Exactly>. so, <laughs> you know where that came from? True. Stick the pen in his socket. Say you held it out too far. Stick it in his uh, socket, all the way in. All right, all right, Vince. All right, well, we'll wrap it up. But I, I have a cliffhanger for the next podcast. Yeah, go ahead. Because people seem to like these cliffhangers. Yeah. This is. I'm almost a hundred percent sure that I'm responsible for the WrestleMania 17 Hulk Hogan Rock match. Oh, that is true. I'll give you that. That's true. At least a year, I'm not going to tell you the story, but at least a year before I had a conversation with the one and only Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And next week, and and I'm not making this up, I told you guys about this when it happened. No, I know. And this, like, I wouldn't put you over, quote unquote. This just wasn't true. This this actually happened. And and as much as I was it didn't happen, it did happen. This happened. I'm responsible for maybe the greatest WrestleMania match ever, and we yeah. will get into that next week. If you were going to give the United States of America an enema, you'd stick the holes right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 